With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. From Business Insider, I'm Rich Filoni. This is Success. This week, I'm talking with two of the four sisters running the Yingling Bear Company. So you don't get confused, I'll let them introduce themselves. Okay, so I'm Jennifer Yingling. I'm Vice President of Operations for Yingling Brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, and we are America's oldest brewery. Hi, I'm Wendy Yingling. I am uh, Chief Administrative Officer at the brewery. Their father, Dick, took over the family business back in 1985. He was the one who turned it from a local brewery into America's largest independent craft brewery. Last year, it produced more than 2 million barrels of beer. Now it's his daughter's turn to take the business in new directions. This year, they released a new Pilsner beer, and while that's a far cry from some trendy IPA, it's the first new Yingling product in 17 years. Wendy and Jen told me what it was like when their dad sat them down and asked if they wanted to run the company that carried their last name. It was probably mid mid to late 90s where we had sort of a come-to-Jesus discussion with our dad. And at that point, you know, we had the one brewery, and we were probably producing twice as much as the plant was capable of producing, and he had some tough decisions to make. So, you know, he brought us together. We were away in Florida. I think it was spring break or something. And, and how old were you guys at this point? We were in college, and Jen we was were, in grad school. I was in grad school. So I think between the four of us, it was late teens, early 20s. And I think our youngest sister was just finishing high school at the time. And he basically said, like, hey, this is a family business. I can invest and keep it going if you guys are interested. But he really didn't pressure us at all. There was never any pressure along the way to join. But he just wanted to gauge our interest and see if it was worth investing and continuing to to keep the business growing and keep it alive for the next generation. And fortunately, you know, Jennifer committed to it and Debbie committed to it right there. And I think that's an an important comment, too, is he never put any pressure on us to become involved in the family business, but he exposed us to us. So I think it's a fine line between, you know, recognizing that there's an opportunity there, but feeling feeling an obligation. And I know he was very good about never making us feel like we were obligated to to come back to our family brewery. But yeah, I was um, it was a point in my life where I was finishing up my graduate work. Didn't really have anything lined up. Psychology, which okay. is always a good thing in a family business, right? <laughs> <laughs> Helps with the dynamics. Um, so I was just finishing up my grad work. Did not have anything lined up after that. Um, was not far from home to begin with. And I, you know, I kind of bit on the hook. And I'm like, you know, I recognize you need a you need a commitment from the sixth generation. And I have no problem dipping my toe in the water per se and seeing if it works out for me. And 20 plus years later, I'm still here. And Wendy, you didn't include yourself in that 
saying that like oh i i knew from the the moment he was saying this when he brought you all together what was going through your head when you heard that yeah it's interesting i do think in the back of my mind the thought of going into the family business was there when i went into college because i did study business as well i studied marketing um I just wasn't ready to commit to coming back to the family business. I was, I can't remember what year of college I was in, but it might have been my junior year. And I just kind of wanted to do the thing that all the college kids did, like move to the big city and have a job and kind of spread my wings, you know. And um, I felt good that Jennifer was going back. And then it just, I felt like that took the pressure off of me so I could do my own thing. And it was important to me to go out and learn other industries, work for somebody else, learn different businesses and bring it back if I ever did return to the company. And Jen, you were saying that psychology could prepare you for a, a family business. In all honesty, like it, it seems like even if you have a great relationship with your family, it's also the people who know how to best drive you crazy sometimes. <laughs> how do you make that work when you're all working together for this big business? I think we, we make it work very well because we, we each have different skill sets and we're each responsible for different roles and we, we play different roles. So for me personally, that was operations. So I love the fast-paced machinery. I love the quick thinking. So like a piece of machinery breaks down, what are we going to do? Are we Are going to have to have guys work overtime? Do we have to cut orders? So I think in that respect that we all were able to carve out our own path. It's really led to a lot of collaboration and maybe diverse thinking between the four of us as we all bring something different to the table. I would say early on, you know, we didn't have a say in a lot of the big decisions that were being made. I think our dad ran the company much like most entrepreneurs run their businesses. They make the decisions and that's what it is. And we really didn't collaborate on that. Over the last few years, as we've all sort of stepped into leadership roles and are more involved, I think we are taking more pressure off of our dad and taking off of his plate and starting to run with certain things in the business. And, you know, we each drive certain parts of the company. And, you know, there's not a lot of debating about things like that, which is which is nice. What are conversations that you have with your dad around the brand and where you want to take it? Hmm. They range. <laughs> yeah. And they think they're pretty, I think they're pretty similar in comparison as far as where, where our heads are. You know, obviously you get to be 70, 75 years old and he's been the quintessential entrepreneur and he's on the down, the downslope of that, which is to be expected. But the fact that he's very supportive of some of these newer initiatives that we've set about, whether like what? Yeah. The, well, so the Golden Pilsner, I don't think he had a full understanding of where we wanted to go with that. And I think in his demographic, it, it, it didn't necessarily pertain to him, um, but he was supportive of it. And you know, since the brand has been out in the market, he's he's very supportive of it now. He's has positive feedback. He's sampled it. He obviously likes it. So the Golden Pilsner, the advertising campaign, 25 years ago, we didn't need to advertise. We were that small a company that we didn't we didn't rely on sales, marketing, and advertising. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's supportive of the Spread Your Wings campaign um, is a testament to how he sees our company, how it's evolved, and the nature of the industry today that he recognizes that these types of things need to be done to continue to survive. Yeah, I've seen him in interviews actually say that he was trying to push the brand to places that it uh, previously had been reluctant to be like what, when his dad was running the company. So for you, do you ever have moments of that where he's maybe, eh, we don't really want to do this, but like, you know, this is what we have to do. 
Yeah, I mean, that absolutely happens. It probably happens once a week. But <laughs> I think if we truly believe in it's the right thing for the company and it's the right thing for the brands long term, we continue to make a case. And, you know, he eventually does come around on most things. And, you know, it's satisfying, I think. So how was that dynamic established? Is it just did he learn to just be like, all right, I just got to trust you with this? I I I kind of think it happened over time. And, you know, when you're, you're at work every day, you're, you're going through your movements day in and day out. And then sometimes you have to take a step back and say, here's where I am today, but here's where I was 10 years ago. Here's where dad is today, and here's where he was 10. Yeah. And, and we, we, we take a look at that, and we kind of lose sight of how far we've really come. Um, Even in the last three to five years. Yeah, in, in, the, in the most recent years, too. And maybe not so much as a company overall, but personally and individually and and where we've grown and really how he's grown too with the company and allowing us to assume these leadership roles. So is it part of like a a transition phase from your father as the sole leader of the company into kind of passing it on? Yeah, we've been going through that over the last couple of years, I think. I mean, he he built this company from very little in 1985. So this is his baby and he's still very hands-on. He's there every day twice a day but i think it i think it means something to him to see that we're there alongside him and we're working long hours alongside him and i think there is some comfort you know seeing that we're taking on more responsibility and i think he's got confidence in in what we're doing yeah i saw in a a story from 2016 in forbes that he was he was telling the reporter like he was wondering what happens if i just died today like who would take over the business type of thing. Well, have you had those discussions yet as to who will be the majority stakeholder? We've had discussions, but I think, you know, a lot of times he'll say, what, what's going to happen when I'm not here? But we've proven that when he's not there, we can keep things going pretty well. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, we're not too concerned about that. Yeah, so your last name being Yingling. I mean, this is a brand that like people all across America know. At what point did you realize that your name was actually a brand too, like that everyone yeah. knew? I think, though, growing up, it was a very different story for me personally. Um, our father really didn't have a lot of involvement in the brewery at that time. He had kind of branched out on his own, and he had a beer distributorship. So for me, that was like my first my first really um, involvement or knowledge of, of the beer world was him having a beer distributorship. So it was your grandfather who was running it at the time? It was, correct. Yeah. I would say the same thing. I don't think I realized the power of the brand until I went away to college and people recognized it. And, you know, you grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania and we were just another family business in town. And I don't think we thought twice about, you know, we made beer, other people sold, you know, groceries and other people had their own family businesses. So there was really, it wasn't significant to us at the time. And the business was very different then too. It was a much smaller company. So when our dad bought the business in 85, it was probably 137,000 barrels, and it was one brewery. It was America's oldest brewery. Um, when I got into college, the brands were growing. My dad had done a lot to turn around the company, and he had introduced some new flavors that really put us on the map. So it was a much different company then. And then, you know, as you get into the 2000s, like our brands just took off. But that's also about the time that craft beer was becoming something. You had Jim Cook starting off. So all of that was sort of happening at the same time our dad took over and was trying to kind of create this new business model for the company. So I think, you know, he did a lot of very entrepreneurial things, but I think timing was also right. So we you know, we got lucky along the way. So Yingling is in a position where it's the number one by volume craft brewer. 
So that means it's it's kind of in a, a weird spot where you're way bigger than like the local brewer down the street that just makes like like really specialty, maybe some exotic beers, but you're still very far from like the Anheuser Busch InBevs of the world. So how do you balance that? Like balancing the marketing of your brand, like what you want your brand to stand for when it's kind of maybe in between worlds. Yeah, we're sort of in the middle. And I think, you know, you look to both for inspiration, but we are not probably not even 1% of the total beer market, roughly 1% of the market. And um, I think, again, we just want to be the best that we can be in the space that we play in. And I think the fact of, of having that title as a, the largest uh, craft brand in the in the United States and we're only in 22 states like that's we're very proud to to have that and um going back to our core portfolio of brands we make some very good beers some of which we we don't market outside of our local territory so we there's a lot of there's a lot of room for growth just within um our current portfolio and, and it seems like your approach is a bit different even from a lot like very smaller breweries that I know where they expand internationally, like Brooklyn Brewery, for example, like they try to have like a big national presence as well as like get into Europe as well. It seems like you're trying to double down in the regions that are already we, big we, England our drinkers. Our approach is a very slow, slow, cautious growth model. And we joke internally, it's taken us 189 years to get to 22 states. So that sort of tells you who we are. And I've talked with uh, Jim Cook of uh, Boston Beer Company, so Sam Adams, and we've had discussions where it took a while to kind of go beyond just their core Sam Adams product to try maybe some more experimental or trendy things like IPAs and stuff like that. Is that something that you want to stay away from? or Innovation hasn't necessarily been our business model. Um, we've, we were, you know, we talk a lot about how this brewery, our breweries were built on efficiencies and simplicity. And I think that's a big part of our culture as the, as a company. Um, we, we try to just do things as minimally as possible and keep a very simple common sense approach to doing things. And I do think there's a place for innovation, like I said, but I just think we are always trying to be mindful of staying focused on what we're good at. You know, we're good at making our core brands. We want to continue to reach consumers with what we think is new and relevant. And that was the that was the thinking behind the Golden Pilsner. Um, so I think we need to be mindful of innovation, but it's not necessarily what drives our business model. I think the role that innovation does play for us is we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. So when we came out with our Golden Pilsner, it was about an 18-month-long process of research, consumer focus groups, internal testing and sampling, and just hitting that flavor profile. So we recognized there was a need in the refreshment category that consumers were, were trending towards, and we recognized that our, our core brands weren't necessarily playing in that arena. So we, we took our time, we made sure we got it right, and we feel like we have a very good product that's out there. Actually, our first new product, full year-round product yeah. in 17 years. Oh, it's wow. interesting yeah. being women and being consumers ourselves. You know, I certainly drink black and tan and I drink porters, but I like beers that are refreshing and that I can, you know, feel like they're sessionable. And I feel like we were able to influence that new product, being that we're, there were women and we're consumers and, um, you know, we want to be able to reach that segment as well. In the beer industry now, I've been seeing that a lot of craft brewers, independent brewers, are saying that like the tremendous sales growth in America that was going on over the last few decades seems to kind of be slowing a bit. How are you responding to that? 
Yeah, I think, again, we're just kind of doubling down on our core business. Um, We feel like we're producing quality beers that are very drinkable to consumers. It's absolutely gotten very complex in our industry, and consumption is down. Um, But we continue to compete every day with, you know, brewers of all sizes. And we stay focused on quality. We stay focused on simplicity and and maintaining um, our core business. So who do you see your competitors as? Is it competing against the Budweiser or is it competing against maybe a a similar offering from one of the local breweries? I think it's probably everything. I think it's also wine and spirits. Um, You know, it's people don't seem to be drinking as much as they had been. So, you know, we just continue to fight each day to draw people into our company. And we feel like we're a very authentic story that people can relate to. And we're a survivor. We continue to persevere and, you know, don't be afraid to try new things and challenge conventional wisdom. And I feel like that sort of translates into our messaging that consumers can relate to. I guess with uh, when you have like the industry in in flux and it's kind of like what's trendy, what isn't. At this point, when you're looking at it, what do you want Yingling to be 15 years down the line, 10 years down the line? Is it is it going to be much bigger or is it just going to be like just the go-to beer for a specific region in the country? Well, I think we want to we want to continually be known as an a fiercely independent, family-owned brewery, um, America's oldest brewery. Um, we'll plan to continue that on as a sixth generation. But again, going back to that focus on the organic growth, uh, the products that have gotten us to where we are today, and um, and staying true to who we are. So we don't want to. We don't necessarily need to be the biggest, but we want to be sure we're doing what we do very well. So is it a point of pride then to have like the the number one craft brewer, or is it just a byproduct? I think it's a nice distinction, but I, I don't think we get caught up on in the definitions. I think we continue to do what we do, and we try and do it well. And you know, we're more concerned with long term, and is the business going to be healthy and go into the next generation? And do you see this continuing as a family business? Like, how core is that identity to it? I think it's critical. I mean, we made we each made commitments to the family business because there's a, a tremendous sense of pride in keeping it going, and that's a big part of our identity in my mind. And I think it's important to our employees who are also, you know, heavily invested in the company with their own families. And what's interesting too is like we're a multi generational family company, not not just amongst ourselves, but our employees, too. We have so many, you know, husbands, wives, siblings who come to work every day and are working together. So I think that's more rewarding for us to see is our employees have that opportunity. Yeah, we have some employees that our grandfather hired. So they've been with the company for 30 plus years now. And people who started out at a job when we were just one plant have now grown to manage, you know, certain aspects of two plants or, you know, all three plants. So I think their careers have sort of defined our success as well. Um, And I think consumers do appreciate that. I think if you look at just the landscape of the beer industry today, um, whether it's the 6,000 plus breweries that are out there, the competitiveness from wine and spirits. And it's all difficult, don't get me wrong. But when you look back at what our ancestors went through, (laughs) you know, wars, prohibition, (laughs) you know, prohibition shut down a lot of breweries in this company. We were just very extremely fortunate that our third generation owner had the you know, the, the foresight and the, the ability to diversify and make near beer and the things that he did to keep us where we are today. But bottom line is whatever we're going through right now in the beer industry kind of pales in comparison to what, what our ancestors went through. 
What would you say has been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome when you've joined the company? Um, I think when I joined, I, I sort of set out to pave my own way, make my own path. I, I would say in the beginning it was probably challenging because there was not a lot of direction and you're forced to figure it out on your own. But I almost feel like it's it's satisfying to be where we are now and know that, you know, you've, you've earned where you, you've you've gotten to in the company. So for you, it was a matter of like, what direction do I want to take in this company? Yeah, the ambiguity of entering a family business and not really knowing what my path was. And so you just, you create it. And how long did it take to get to that point? Mm. Well, I'm still working on it. But um, (laughs) I would say I sort of had like an eight year, 10 year plan when I set out. And I've been with the brewery now for 14 years. So I knew after like eight or 10 years, this is where I wanted to be. Um, So I feel good about getting there, but certainly there's still a lot of work ahead of us. I can I can I can empathize with that. <laughs> um, we didn't have a lot of structure when either any of us, as as a sixth generation, came into the brewery, and um, it was sort of like you know, okay, Dad, what do you want me to do? Well, just go figure it out. <laughs> okay, so that's that's pretty Sounds broad. scary. That's yeah. pretty broad. It's pretty scary, and there's not a lot of direction. Um, but I was fortunate to to. I don't want to say follow in his footsteps because it it sounds kind of corny or hokey. But, you know, that's what I did. You know, I I watched what he did in the warehouse and with operations. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go through a pretty regimented training program throughout our brewery. So I would receive incoming raw materials. I would work with our brewers when they would brew. I would work with the cellar guys when the beer went up to fermentation and then storage and then filtering and all the way through to the warehouse to the back end when the, the trucks left the door with it. So I went through all that internally, then had an opportunity to study in a nine-week nine week brewing course out in Chicago. Very rigorous, very technically oriented. Got that behind me. Came back and, and really just worked my way into, into different areas of operations, you know, working with the night shift guys, getting to know the guys and what they do and, and understanding essentially what it takes to make, make a bottle of beer. So, so, yeah, I mean, long story short, it, it, took, me, it took me a little bit of way to figure that out, but that's where, that's where I landed. Yeah. Was that a matter of years for you as well? I think so, yeah. And, and I still I still go through it, still do it. Um, and you still run into situations where you're not sure what to do, obviously. Um, but I've got a great team that I work with. I've got two awesome plant managers. We've got packaging managers, brewing managers. So those are the experts in my mind. Like, I've got a good team to rely on. And if we have a problem that needs to be resolved, let's get together. Let's collaborate on this and let's let's figure it out because I want everybody's input. How does each of you personally define success? Well, as a sixth-generation family business perspective, I would say success for us is keeping the family business strong and healthy and growing for the next generation. I think that's extremely important to everything that we do. And like I said, we always look at everything with a long-term focus as opposed to what might be you know, a short-term win. Personally, I would say Success to me is finding satisfaction in what I'm doing and feeling like I have an impact, whether it's on the company or on the community or on the people that we work with inside the organization or customers outside of the organization. I feel like when they feel good about their job and good about where the company's going, to me, I, I feel good that I'm doing my job. I think, and we didn't we didn't collaborate on this beforehand. <laughs> but to me, and my interpretation of of success, and it's on a personal level, and it's it's an abstract 
sort of a philosophical view of it, it's completely satisfaction, whether it's overcoming a challenge, whether it's seeing the reaction from a consumer who has just tried our brand, or seeing the reaction from a consumer who has come to visit us for the first time in Pottsville, and they may have traveled a long way. Um, and I think surrounding ourselves with with talented and trustworthy people is is completely key to in obtaining that success as an individual. And and that in itself inspires open an open environment where there is a lot of collaboration. And when I sit in a room and I can see where we've come together as a group and collaborated on something and have made it work, like I, I, I get extreme satisfaction out of that. It feels really good to know you have that support. And I think we're very lucky to, you know, to be a sixth-generation family business is unbelievable. But, you know, we're four women in the sixth generation. And for our company, this is the first time the business will will go from father to daughters. Um, So I think when you you look around and you see, you know, I get to work every day with my three sisters, that that is very satisfying. What advice would you give to someone who wants to have a career like yours, not necessarily in brewing, but just this type of like a executive role? I would say, you know, if you're coming into a family business, I would say, you know, you absolutely have to roll up your sleeves and learn from the bottom up and earn, earn respect along the way. I think that's extremely important. Um, I think if you're coming into a family business, outside experience is, is extremely helpful as well. And, um, I would say, you know, always persevere. Don't let people, you know, let you talk yourself out of something. Just always stay committed to what your end goal is and and always have a plan. I think that was how we were raised, though, too, is, you know, just knowing our dad's strong work ethic and going back to his days when he was running his beer distributorship. And, you know, I, I remember as a, as a child, he'd come home, he'd take his nap, and I would ride back with him on the beer truck, like bouncing up the road. And <laughs> and and just watching the – looking back on it now and observing the, the customers that came in, and he then moved on and transitioned to a different beer distributorship. And he'd still get the same customers in, and it was the relationships that were built. So it's it's working hard, establishing relationships, and, and with that, I think, comes success. Well, thank you so much, Wendy, and thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank, thank you. you for having Great us. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to This is Success from Business Insider. Our show is produced by Anna Mazarakis and Sarah Wyman. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and I'm Rich Filoni. Before you go, we've got an extra look at what Jen and Wendy Yingling were into before they started making beer. We, we all grew up, the four of us, participating in some sort of athletics. So, you know, I continued that through college, and I still try and maintain some level of physical activity, whether it's running or whatever. So our company is a primary sponsor of a Shamrock Marathon weekend over St. Patty's Day in Virginia Beach every year. So for the last 14 years, um, I've participated in that. Um, I kick the race off. Um, everyone have a good run. And then I jump in and I, I run the half with everybody. So, yeah. you know, it's me. I don't think a lot of people know that, but it's, you know, it's just this little. You're still an athlete. Quirky, t- somewhat of an athlete. I don't know if you can call, <laughs> I don't know if I can call myself that anymore, but I try. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty much an open book. And being a family company, I feel like, you know, we're all pretty open with each other. I would say in my younger days, I was probably much more adventurous. Um, 
had an opportunity to study abroad in college and we were we were studying in Belgium and our weekend travels took us to different countries so one of the trips we took to Switzerland we went to Interlaken and we did um, canyoning in the river and then we also did um, uh, bungee jumping from a gondola. So that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done, which most people probably don't know. <laughs> I, don't think I, that. I didn't know that. But I'm not quite as adventurous anymore. Yeah, had to tone it down. I've had to yeah. tone it down. <laughs> Next week on the show, we've got event planner and restaurateur Larry Morrow. In just a few short years, he's built an empire with the help of some famous friends, like Sean Diddy Combs. hear that episode and more make sure you subscribe to our show and while you're at it give us a rating and leave us a review letting us know what you think it really helps new people find the show this is success is a production of insider audio